us having fun hopping around from uh, <laughs> pulpit to pulpit here. Um, this is really cool for me to be here. I'm going to be honest. Uh, one is because I love Kevin. Um, two is I, I would consider uh, a mentor in my life before my days in Virginia um, to be Doug McMurray, whom some of you know uh, very well. And, uh, and so it's just, it is just a joy to be here. It's, it's almost like I'm thinking of stories I heard Doug tell years ago, and I was like, this is the place. This is the place. <laughs> um, I want Jesus for you this morning. I, we're talking about the Bible, and I, and I think sometimes the misconception can be, oh, we're going to talk about, we're going to elevate Scripture, and oh, I hope we don't, you know, hope we don't elevate it to the status of Father, Son, and Holy Bible, right? Um, we, we, want to, we want to make sure that really what we're saying is, I want, I want Jesus. I want Jesus, and I want Jesus for you this morning more than anything else. I, I, I want to invite you just, why don't we say that to each other? What, will you just turn to somebody and say, I want Jesus for you this morning? Excellent. Okay, I better bring you back. I noticed what happened last time we did. Um, I want Jesus for you this morning. I, uh, nothing more, nothing less, and there really is nothing more, nothing less. Amen. I'm going to read out of Psalm 1 for us, and we're, we're talking about just what it means to, to really meditate on Scripture, and uh, Psalm 1 gives us this beautiful picture of, of as, well, as you are saying earlier, just Psalms give us beautiful pictures, don't they? they just, just, it's, it's more than just good information. It, it's, there's an invitation that happens. In, in this particular psalm, there's a couple of beautiful invitations in, in very short order. And it begins like this. Psalm 1, verse 1 says, Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked, or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted in by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither, whatever they do prospers. Not so the wicked. They are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous, for the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let me pray one more time for us. Um, I need it, if nothing else. Uh, Heavenly Father, we really do. We, just, we, we open up this word, um, not just in the, the presence of our ears, but we ask that it would be open in the presence of our mind and our hearts and our lives. And Lord Jesus, if I have anything to add to it, let it be used. But if not, your word stands on its own. And Spirit, we trust that you know what to do with it. And so we ask right now that you would fill this place to overflowing. And let the power of your word, Jesus, change us. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, we're doing this thing on spiritual disciplines. I'm just curious, who, who here has is, is really taken on a spiritual discipline with fervor at some point in your faith? Okay, about half and half. Good, good, good. So the, so the invitation stands. Here's an, an opportunity to go for it. Um, I'm just going to call a spiritual discipline a, a context that we can commit to in order to encounter the person of Jesus. Right? It's just a context. It's, it's, not, it's nothing more than really something that we're committing ourselves to because, once again, we want Jesus. We want Jesus, right? Um, 
And the question I believe our text is posing to us this morning is how deep are your roots? How deep are your roots? Who here has ever been to a, the Middle East? Okay, one, two, three. Um, Arizona. A few more? Okay, all right, now we're, okay, yeah. Southern California, the, the dry parts. Yeah, yeah, there we go. Okay, now we're, now we're getting it. Good, good. Um, you've been to a place that is very dry, right? It's hot, it's dry. Last year, Psalm 1 became so much more alive to me because I got to go to Egypt, Cairo and Giza to be specific. And everywhere you go in Egypt, it's dry. It is just dry. Uh, did, did you all get a big rainstorm yesterday? Yeah, I was driving with my son back from the grocery store, and that thing just bang, and we're watching the water flow through the streets. And, and my son's like, wow, this is a lot of water. And it occurred to me, yeah, this is more water than Egypt gets in a year, bud. Because Egypt's annual rainfall, at least in Cairo, is right there, right about that. Give or take a little right in there. This is my scientific method of measurement, by the way. But it's, it's not a lot. And that is to say, in one good thunderstorm here in central Virginia, we can knock out Egypt for about two or three years' worth. Just think about that. It's a lot of water or it's not a lot of water. And so everywhere you go in Egypt, and if you've been to a place similar, you know, it's dry. It's dusty, really dusty. Everywhere, from here to here. Sorry, I use my preacher's voice. From here to here, you would get just that little distance out on the street your feet and pants would be covered in dust. It's that dry and dusty. It's just, it's coated on everything. Except one place. Any guesses? The Nile. Yeah, of course. The Nile. You can be driving all over Egypt, or Cairo and Giza, and, and it is brown, it is dry, it's dusty, and then you come out in this one little area, and it's green. On either side of this river. And it's, it's quite amazing. I mean, it just stands out. Stark contrast green. There's trees. There's bushes and shrubs. If there's a business or a house, the odds are they've got this little garden right there because they've got water so close. And what's even more wild, and this is what really helped me grow an appreciation for Psalm 1, is when you're standing on the banks of the Nile, you'll actually see roots coming through the ground just all going into the river. They're just pulling right from the Nile. That's the image Psalm 1's giving us here, this beautiful image. When your life is surrounded by desert and dust, when the world around you is naturally more spiritually depraved than spiritually vital, where do you go for nourishment? Where do you go for nourishment? Where do your roots go? Blessed is the one who meditates on God's law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water. I know we didn't recite the Apostles' Creed this morning, but I believe in the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. But I believe that in this place right here, the context, the commitment of reading Scripture, not just reading it, 
but meditating on it, right? More than just going through the words, but stopping and chewing on them. We encounter streams of living water in Jesus Christ, amen? It's the context that the Holy Spirit uses to really churn up and connect God's activity in our lives. It gives the, the Spirit raw materials to use. And so I just want to talk about that. What does that mean to, to meditate on the Scripture? And as a discipline, and first thing I want to do is just, just talk about this psalm for a minute, because it's, it's a good psalm. It's a really good psalm. Um, and then I'll talk about the discipline for, for another minute. So, um, Book of Psalms. Without a doubt, it's, it's, our, it's our number one guide to prayer, right? I mean, if, if you can want to pray it, the Psalms will teach you how to do it, right? Um, Martin Luther, he even calls uh, the Psalms the Bible in miniature. Think about that. Everything you need to know about the character of God, you can encounter it somewhere in the Psalms. Psalm 1 is the invitation to all of it. It's almost like it stands there and says, these words are worth your life. So, so come, dwell deeply, step into it, really. And so anytime we're studying a psalm, we want to ask, well, what kind of psalm am I, am I reading right now? What's, what's the genre, right? Um, do you all have study Bibles where you'll, you'll read psalms and in the descriptions below, it'll say, you know, psalm whatever, whatever, a psalm of lament or a... Uh, a psalm of thanksgiving, or a royal psalm. Well, this one happens to be a wisdom psalm. What do you think a wisdom psalm does? <laughs> yeah, provides wisdom, right? And it, hopefully, kind of, kind of like Proverbs, kind of like Ecclesiastes, similar in that nature. Um, you, you go to it for wisdom. One of the great things that a wisdom psalm is good for is that it meets us in the day-to-day, every kind of day faith of, of just walking through life. This is, this is not one of those, you know... David crying out in the wilderness psalms, right? Like Psalm 61. You know, Hear my cry, O God, listen to my prayer. From the ends of the earth I cry out to you. We've had those moments, right? <laughs> God, where are you? I need you to hear me. Psalms will teach you to pray like that. They really will. But this is not one of those psalms. This is one of those everyday faith kind of psalms. And if you're familiar with a guy named Walter Brueggemann, he categorizes all the psalms into three different types of seasons. He says there's psalms for times of orientation, times of disorientation, and times of new orientation. These are for times of orientation. What he would refer to is just kind of that everyday faith. You have psalms that help you live in that just everyday faith orientation. Have you ever noticed that when we tell stories about faith, they're typically either these stories of when we were at the highest of highs, we were at the lowest of lows, right? Mountaintops or valleys. It's almost like God only works when we're doing really well or we're awful. (laughs) But do you ever have a desire to be close to God and, and your world's not falling apart? Yeah. That's all, everything in between is that, right? You know, for those of you who are, who, who are familiar with the liturgical seasons, does anybody know what, what the season we're in is called right now? Eastertide. I just heard it. Yeah, Eastertide. And what's the next one? It comes up in two weeks. Pentecost. Pentecost. That's right. Yeah, good. And then after that, what happens? 
ordinary time. Could there be anything more Presbyterian sounding than ordinary time? And how long does it last? Forever. That's right, Advent. We're going to be here till Advent in ordinary time. But the truth is, is most of our faith happens in ordinary time. You know, we just got through with Easter and with Lent, and, and we're building, we're building, we're sowing the resurrection into our hearts. That's the theory behind that, right? So that every day is a response to the resurrection, and there's no such thing as an ordinary day, because ordinary lives in the shadow of the resurrection, amen? You've got to have psalms for the ordinary times, too, because that's most of our life in theory. It takes times of wisdom, growing in the wisdom of Jesus, to grow in those ordinary times where we get plunged into depth, not because of our circumstances, but because of just how amazing and how deep God is, right? You don't need a circumstance to experience the depth of God. He's enough. That's what Psalms like Psalm 1 help us with. So there's, there's the Psalm, but, but Scripture meditation, how does, what's the invitation there? Because that's a big part of what this Psalm is all about, right? Uh, blessed is the one. That's, let's just start with that one line. Blessed is the one. Every time Jesus says that, it's a pretty big deal, right? What, what an amazing promise. Blessed is the one. Blessed is the one. Who does not walk and step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night? We're in the new covenant now, so I'm going to replace law with just word. Um, who meditates on God's word day and night. Blessed is the one who meditates, who holds it close to them, who stays invested in it. There's a little bit better imagery in this passage, though, for meditates. But we're going to have to use the depth and breadth of Scripture to get it. Um, there's a word here for meditates. And the Hebrew word, to best understand it, 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 it we go over to Isaiah 34 or 31.4. It says, and this is the image, it's a lion. Did you see that in Psalm 1? Did you find the lion? It's kind of like, where's Waldo? You have to read Psalm or Isaiah 31 to get it. As a lion growls, as a lion growls, a great lion over its prey. That word for growls is the same word for meditates in Psalm 1. As a lion growls, a great lion over its prey. And you get the picture, right? It's, it's, it's a lion that's kind of, he's got its prey, he's caught its prey, and he's, he's kind of, actually, it's not just growling, he's kind of growling and chewing, right? We've watched, we watched National Geographic, we've seen this before, right? <laughs> He's making a sound when he's doing Actually, and that's the word right there. All right, who remembers fifth grade? What's an onomatopoeia? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a word that sounds, exactly. The word sounds like the actual sound or buzz or hiss, right? Well, the word in Hebrew is haga. Haga. It's, it's, it feels good to say. Let's try it together. Ready? Here we go. Ready? Haga. Okay, that was good. That was good. And if you can imagine this lion 
Just going, hawk, 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 Do you get it? Do you get it? All right, let's try it together. Let's just keep saying it. Ready? Here we go. Let's go. No, 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 come on. This is, this is meditation. Ready? Let's do it. Hawk, 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 hawk. All right. This is way better than home. Whoever thought of that was awful. That doesn't mean anything. That doesn't mean anything, right? And even the imagery behind it, home, empty your mind, that's not meditating, amen? Meditating is filling your mind. It's putting something in there worthy of filling your mind, shaping your mind, forming your mind. Haga-ing on, if you can do that with the word. I'm going into the depths of language that I'm going too far afield here. Groaning, grunting, chewing. This is what the psalmist says meditation is. Now, meditation is not the most prized of spiritual disciplines uh, today. We have more exciting things like fasting and whatnot. But historically speaking, meditation actually was one of the penultimate marks of Christian maturity. I've got one more Martin Luther quote, and I know, I know your quote is only two a Sunday, so this is my last one, I promise. But he talks about, of all people, he says, a, a, a minister, a minister should be these four things. This is his marks of a, of, of a true minister. He says, four things that make a minister of the word is reading, praying, temptation, Luther, and meditation. Reading, praying, Temptation and meditation. Any minister worth their stuff can do those four things. The great Puritan writer Thomas Watson wrote of meditation. He says, a Christian enters into meditation as a man enters into the hospital that he may be healed. Meditation heals the soul of its deadness and earthliness. When we're feeling dry, weak, struggling in our faith. That's the invitation, isn't it? To meditate. meditate becomes, meditation becomes the context in which God nourishes us, takes our, our roots deep into something better, bigger than ourselves. And we encounter that nourishing presence the more we chew and ruminate haga on his word. I'm prone to wander, as the, as the <laughs> song states. Can I wander around for a minute? Is that okay? Is, are, doing, are we recording this? We're not recording this? Well, we are. We are. Okay. Well, then I'll stay back here. I'll pretend. All right. Years ago, I really got into coffee. Like, I was working in coffee, got into coffee, got nerdy about coffee. Are there any coffee nerds? It's okay. It's a safe place. Go ahead. Yeah, good. Okay. Good, good, good. So, in working in coffee, I really got into the whole doing coffee tasting. And if you've ever done one, it's, they're fun. They're a lot of fun. And the way they do it is, you know, they, they might have a few different coffees, and they, they fill up a cup. They put way more grounds in it than you need, but there's a reason. They really want to amplify as much flavor as you can get. And they pour this hot water in it. And so the grounds rise up to the top of this cup, and you've got this cup right here. And you let it sit and steep for a little bit. And then the first thing you do is you take a spoon, and you do what's called breaking the crust. And you've got to put your face right over it. So you, you break the crust, and the second you do it, the, the fragrance blasts you in the face, and you just smell. You just let it, just, just let it hit. You don't, you don't 
sniff. Actually, you just let it flow into your, into your, your nasal cavity and kind of let it, let it just work its way through there. And then you take the notes. You take the notes. This is what I'm getting. And then after that, you push the grounds back and you get some of the coffee and then you do another onomatopoeia, which is, that's right, yeah. Yeah, you slurp it. Get some air in there. Take some more notes. Slurp it again. Take some more notes. This time you slurp it, you work it from the front of your palate to the back of your palate. What, what flavor changes from the front to the back? Smell it again now. Does the smell change now that you've, you've tasted it? What's going on with this thing? Really, you're meditating on coffee is what you're doing. That's exactly what you're, you're working your way through all the intricacies, everything. And so when you read those crazy notes that sometimes people put on coffee, and sometimes they are kind of crazy. Star anise? What? Cocoa nibs? What is a cocoa nib? But the, you read it, and that's, but that's what those people were thinking of as they're, as they're tasting that coffee. I get this. I'm thinking of this. This reminds me of this. When we read Scripture and we meditate it, on it, we're asking the Spirit to come alongside us and not just tell us what it means. I mean, we've got, we've got notes for that. But, but to actually use it and connect it to something in our lives, right? Gosh, Lord, when I read that, that reminds me of this. That draws me towards this. All of a sudden, the Spirit's using the Word. And He's not just telling you this is what the Lord says saying, this is what the Lord says to you right now in this place. And he starts bringing people to mind that might be struggling with this thing you're reading of. Or he might be bringing memories to mind years ago when you experienced something. And he says, but you know what? This is who I was that entire time. And I was with you throughout it. And you realize the Lord hasn't left you because he's speaking to you in his word. Or he, he sees that place, and he, that place of depravity in your own life and says, I, I can walk with you through that. And you get refreshed in the context of his word. Anybody read Tim Keller? Here, a few of us. Yeah, oh, yes. Amen. That's right. That's, that's what I'm talking about. Oh, yeah. That should be the answer. Oh, yeah. Tim Keller's great. He's a great reader. He's a great author. He was a great pastor until he retired recently. And um, he gives an example of going to a conference on how to read the Bible, which is comical if you've ever read the guy, because he's brilliant. But he goes there, and the whole concept is meditate on the Word. And so the speaker says, I'm going to give you 30 minutes to sit with Mark 117. 30 minutes, and I want you to find 30 different observations. One verse. And the verse is, you'll know it, come follow me, Jesus said, and I'll send you out to fish for people. Well, Keller says, I sat there and for 10 minutes mulled over this text. And after 10 minutes, I felt very confident I had gotten everything there was to get out of these 15 words, right? And so then he sat back and started giving way to daydreaming. Until he looked around and everybody was still pretty intense. And he kind of thought, maybe, maybe I should give it a second shot here. And uh, there's, there's nothing like peer pressure to draw you to the Lord, right? <laughs> um, that's not part of the message. But, um, and so he, so he recommits to it. 
And, but this time he starts playing with it. He starts saying, well, what if I took these words out? Started measuring the weight of each word. What, what, if, what, if this, what if I applied this here? And he said, the more I sat with it, the more observations I kept getting, and the more, and the more. And, and by the end, I, I, was, I was, wasn't even ready to be done. But the speaker called us back and asked the question, who here got a life-changing observation out of that? A lot of hands went up. And then they said, who here got a life-changing observation in the first five minutes? No hands. How about the first 10 minutes? No hands. 15? A couple hands went up. 20, a few more. 25, the room starts raising its hands. Keller says, that session changed my attitude towards the Bible and indeed my life. The power of God's word. The power of God through God's word really is what we're saying there. It's the power of God through God's word. So one more time. I want you to listen to this, because this is, this is God's word to you and me this morning. This is, we need this. This is, this is a promise from Psalm 1. Those who delight and meditate on God's law, verse 3, that person is like a tree planted by streams of water which yield its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Oh. Is that a promise you want to receive? It's a promise I want desperately want. The image I see there is it's not just a a tree that's bearing fruit. It's a tree that bears fruit in and out of season. It's constantly nurtured. Its its leaf never withers. It goes on. Even even when in in the natural world, trees fall off, uh, leaves fall off eventually. But not this tree. This tree is constantly bearing fruit, constantly prospering. I think this promise, when it stands right next to blessed is the one, you know, these are for you and for me this morning. These are God's promises and invitations to each of us that when we stop, and and this dovetails well with what Nelson spoke with last week, I'm, I'm thinking, I didn't get to hear it, but I'm listening to your observations. When we stop and we find that space, the haga on God's word. His promise is, I will meet you there. I will nourish you there. I will give you what you need there. I promise I'll do it. So here's my challenge to you this week. Are you ready? I know some, some of us are thinking, I don't have time for this. I don't have time for this. He'll make it. He'll make it. I promise he'll make it. He will make it for you. He'll convict you so deeply. You'll, you'll thank me later. You'll be like, that jerk said this was going to happen. Here I am, <laughs> wanting to watch the game. And now the Lord's like, no, 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 meditate, meditate. <laughs> I challenge you. Maybe not 30 minutes. That's a lot. But maybe 15. 15 observations in 15 minutes. And I have to, okay, Monday, five out of five, okay? Work up to it if you need to. By the end of this week, find some amount of time, a 15-minute span, where you take a scripture. You can, you can steal the Mark verse there. You can steal Psalm 1. There's a lot here. Psalm 19. That was a beautiful psalm. Chew on Psalm 19. 
15 observations in 15 minutes, you take that word like a lion, and you grab onto it, and you chew, and you chew, and you chew, and you say, Spirit, I want more out of this. Would you meet me in it? Would you connect this to my life, connect this to my heart, connect this to the lives of the people around me? But draw me closer to you right now. See what he does. His promise to us is that he'll meet us, amen? Amen. Don't take my word for it. Take his word for it. Can I pray that over us?